Crossed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Baqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Fire again. A goal Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome along to Le Bourgeois after a weekend of firsts in Ligue 1 Uber Eats as Messi, Neymar and Mbappe all score in the same game for the first time. Bordeaux keep their first clean sheet at the 30th attempt and Brazilian winger Tete scores his first goal for Lyon with virtually his first touch in Ligue 1. Uh, yours truly commentated uh, back-to-back games yesterday afternoon for the first time this season with uh, our friend Andy Scott, unfortunately, pulling out with COVID-19. Um, I can't think of any more first, but we'll also be focusing on the battle today for Champions League qualification as Strasbourg invite themselves to the party. There's a Marco Verratti shirt to give away, a Teji Savanier Montpellier shirt to win in this week's Deja Who competition. And as ever, we'll be taking your questions as well, joining me on uh, the podcast this morning, Robbie Thompson. How are you, Robbie? Good evening, Matt. I am very, very well. Looking forward to a big pod after a big weekend. Good evening. It's <laughs> it's morning here in France, uh, as well. you probably knew. Um, Andreas and I are, are bleary-eyed. We're, we're up early after a, a busy weekend. How are you, Andreas Avagora? I'm a bit tired, but I've got a strong coffee and re- raring to go. Excellent. Good to hear. Good to hear. You had the big game. You had the uh, our, our featured game... Over the weekend, Nice against Rennes. Um, Rennes, we know, are the, uh, the informed team. Uh, it was five wins in a row going into this one. 20 goals scored in those five games. They were up against a Nice side uh, that had taken just one point from their previous two games. But uh, Christophe Galtier's team do have the best defensive record in France. So, uh, yeah, a big one. Third against fourth, was it? Or fourth against third? I think that's right. It was fourth Let's, against um, third, yeah. Fourth against third. Thank you, Andreas. We'll listen to your commentary. Here's what happened. Atal. Cuts inside Atal. Outside of the boot. The header. And it's a brilliant header too. Delors has scored. And really with their first chance of the match, Nice take the lead. And what an important goal that might be. The winning smile, perhaps, of Andy Delors. It was a super cross from Atal. Delors with the header. Alamdar beaten. And it's 1-0 for Nice. Comes the free kick, the header on and it's in. It's an equaliser and it's Martin Terrier, the man who cannot stop scoring at the moment. That makes him the joint top scorer. Yet again, an excellent header finds its way into the net and the small clutch of Ren fans who've made a long, long journey will be delighted with that. How important might that be at the end of the season? So, Andreas, it finished uh, one apiece and on the balance of play, probably Nice... Uh, the happier, even though they were the home team, we saw we saw Ren finish that game very strongly, and uh, they were probably the the closer to to winning the game. Oh, absolutely! I, I think uh, Nice will be happy with the draw. Uh, Ren, as, as we've said quite a lot, you know, over the last few months, just really impressive going forward. The fact that they were away and playing against the best defense in France didn't change how they played at all. Um, and that last 15 minutes, Matt, they were really pushing on at Nice. They had a couple of good chances. Um, 
Uh, Martin Terrier has just got better and better, hasn't he? He's been really good. He got all the the the, the plaudits. Um, I thought Benjamin Bourigeau was superb. He's my man of the match, and he's just another one of those players that shows you can get better in in your late in your mid late twenties. I think we've got a, a temptation to kind of write players off if they're not really good at twenty five. You know, Bourigeau was brilliant. Uh, you know, we talked about Jonathan Klaus. He's an obvious example recently. Um, nice, a little bit disappointing. They do lack goals. Um, and Christophe Gautier was saying that before and after the match. They changed things. Uh, I mean, Guiri, who's been obviously brilliant for them this year, but maybe gone a bit off the boil the last couple of months. Um, they played him a little bit deeper. And they started with Dolberg and Delore, which is quite a rarity. I think they've started about 15 matches each this season. And it didn't really work out. And uh, Guiri, who's a class act, I really like him, didn't, didn't have the best of games. So, yeah, and applaud, applaud so to That's Rennes. the thing, Andreas. So, yeah. so, you know, four attackers, you look at that starting 11 and you think, oh, Galtier's going for it. But they do, they do struggle to create. Cliver had a, a, a good sort of month recently but he he's also gone off a little bit but with that with, with that quality you'd expect them to create more no with those four yeah they should have created more but you know Ren, we haven't talked about that defense much they defended very well and they just kept the ball really well they controlled the play from the first minute you know um it was like they were the home team so two two very good teams look they both over uh, performed i think a little bit this year but um, in terms of who came out best, you, you have to say Wren. Um, just really impressive all around. And, and uh, a deserved equaliser. And I, I think they, they're, they're one of the favourites to, the, to, to, to be in the top three. They were very good again, Wren. Robbie, what do you think? Wren, uh, Andreas saying they're, they're one of the favourites. They moved up to second with, uh, with that point and then were edged down to third again after, after Marseille's victory. Um, but they're a great team to watch. And... Now, Andreas mentions the the defence. Um, the youngster, Wamed Omari, I don't know what you thought of him on, on Saturday, Andreas, but I mean, what a season he's having. He looks so assured. And the French just keep on producing these assured centre-backs. I mean, I was commentating Leon, the Castello Luqueba and uh, Malo Gusto. I mean, those two are just exceptional. Um, but I'm moving off, <laughs> off subject a bit, but... Um, no, no, but oh, it's, it's a good point. I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Amari, he he could play in midfield. He could be a holding midfield player. He's just very comfortable on the ball, and and it's something that is a great thing about French football. Is great footballers playing defence, you know, and it, it's happening more in other countries. But I think, uh, you know, it, the French were ahead of the pack there. And Aguard was really, I think, he was Lequeep's man of the match. So those two played really well at the two centre backs. Yeah, he's a fantastic yeah. player as well, Nayef Aguard. But um, there's. I think what Andreas just said a moment earlier was that these two sides are overperforming. I think we perhaps thought just in terms of the spend over the last sort of 18 months that Nice could be there or thereabouts with Galtier coming in as well. And perhaps we just sugar-coated a little bit Galtier's achievements with Lille in terms of the football they played as well. I mean, they were above all a defensive side that, that, that won the league courtesy of Burak Yilmaz and the, the, that incredible ability to to nab a goal, to to win when they were not playing well. They got that. And this Nice side, it's it's built out the same way. I mean, but in terms of the overachieving, you look at the squads that took to the field. These are not household names. I mean, Andy Delore, Kasper Dolberg, we, we know them. Lovro Meyer is probably going to become a household name, but even, you know, the Hamari Traores, their Gaten Labords, their their podcast 
day-to-day names, but they're not wider public, you know, footballing names of sides you'd expect to be in the top five, top four or five in France. And I think they are overachieving. My question would be, what's different this year with this Ren side? Because we've seen them have star players. We've seen them spend a lot of money. Even in the last couple of years, Rafinha cost millions, which they, which they sold on. What is different this year? What, what has clicked? What has come together? And also, Rob, yes, and uh, they've lost Kamavinga and Nzonzi. Yeah, I mean, as well. They, you know, they yeah. were seen as kind of the core of the team. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I, I, I let Andreas come in, but I think the handbrake has been taken off. I think, you know, they, 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 they just attack and they attack and they attack. And maybe the team is better balanced with, with Flaviante and Lovro Maia, who are, who are lovely footballers. Um, yeah, Genesio's done a, done, done a super job. I was wondering if someone was going to say it's Genesio. Well, I was... Because that would... I mean, that's... <laughs> I, I think they're just two really good coaches. And, and you know, when we commentate matches, we see what goes on before the match quite a lot. And, and um, uh, Genesio um, was sat down uh, on the bench for really quite a long time uh, with Galtier. And it was like they were sort of two old mates having a really good chat. They were sort of arm in arm and... You can tell there's a real bond between them, you know. I think they're just two two coaches who really know their craft, and they know French football inside out. I mean, Galtier, what well, he's like 450 odd games in Liga. Um, Genesia must be coming up to 200. Um, they they just know the players inside out. They know the teams. Uh, they know what's necessary. Um, and one thing that you were talking about Galtier being strong defensively, I, I saw an interesting stat that apart from Tuchel and Guardiola, he's got more clean sheets. Uh, over the last two years than any other coach in the top five leagues in Europe. So, you know, that, that's a pretty good achievement as well. And if you're keeping clean sheets, you've always got a chance. It's an old cliche, but it's true. So, mm. you know, hats off to both of those two excellent coaches. But it is, it, it's going to be interesting. I know that Nice fans were, were generally unhappy with the way the team played under mm-hmm. Patrick Vieira. They, they got reasonable uh, league positions in, in, in the couple of full seasons he had. Um, but they're always saying, you know, with the players we got, we should be playing more expansive football. That, they were never going to get expansive football un- under Christophe Galtier. And there's kind of been this assumption that because it's Galtier, Nice will get the results to finish in the Champions League. I, I, a lot of people have been looking at, at Nice um, and, uh, you know, and saying, yes, they'll be top two or three. But look, they're fifth now. Um, they're going backwards. They're not playing good football. And I'm not pinning. I'm. I'm not saying this is a criticism of Galtier, but it's perhaps a dose of reality that the football they're playing perhaps doesn't merit a place in 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 the top three in France. I, I don't know if you guys. Well, think, wait, but you know, are we just with that, purely? But, you know, fifth, yeah. but 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 you say they're they may be overperforming, but given the investment there's been, given the fact they went and got the coach from the champions, I think the owners, uh, Jim Ratcliffe. Ineos, I think they expect to finish top three and, and, and qualify for the Champions League. I do. I, you're talking about Nice fans and, and their, their president, Jean-Pierre Rivera, was saying something a few months ago that, and, and I've got to say that it wasn't a full house anywhere near, and it really should have been. You know, it was a lovely afternoon, Saturday, fourth against third, uh, you know, great team visiting. And uh, Rivera was saying that you know, there's so much else to do in Nice. Everyone talks about Nice in, in the city and they're a popular club, but people just want to go to the beach or they go to the mountains or go to the country and they don't turn up in the stadium. And, you know, it sounds 
a bit of a weird thing to say, but it's a good point. Whereas maybe in Wren, there's a bit less to do. It's, the weather's not, people, not quite yeah, as well, nice. People in Nice would, 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 would possibly say that it's incredibly hard. Oh, Wren is Wren's a lovely region, lovely town. But um, people would say people would say that it's it's incredibly difficult to get to that stadium. Um, a lot of the hardcore Nice fans or loyal fans feel that the soul of the club was 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 lost following the the stadium move and the Stade du Rey, which was a very kind of old-fashioned, even old stadium, but but the atmosphere was was unbelievable there. Nice have got yeah, they've got issues at the moment, identity well, issues. I, no I question. I think this is a all part of a wider issue, which is that less and less people are watching live sport. You can consume so much at home. There's, but no matter what you say, there is still COVID in the air that that hangs over a lot of people's decisions when they're deciding what to do because it's still a a, a very prevalent illness everywhere and and seems to me that more and more people are getting it more than ever now. Um, so these are these are all factors as well, but it is a global trend. Um, and we were just chatting about it before, and maybe this is an opportunity to. Because you talk about Nice fans being unhappy with the way their team are playing. And I, I understand this argument. And we've all been in football long enough to understand and made our, made our careers out of being on the broadcast side of it. But it's not purely an entertainment industry. Obviously, it is highly entertaining. And that's, that's why it's existed for over you know, 130, 40 years. And that it's professional. It's the biggest sport in the world. And the World Cup is the biggest single sporting event etc etc but it is sport it is competition and i just get the feeling that people now want to go don't want to go to the old stade de ray they want to go to a to a beautiful new stadium where they're not going to get rained on where the tram or the train or their car park is right at the front door that they can go in sit in a comfortable chair and the football is secondary and this is not only in nice this is in paris and this is in sydney and this is in london and all over all over the world that this is a, a thing and people are not consuming live sport, particularly football, in the same way. And to say we're not happy, Nisa sitting f- fifth. Nisa, I think they finished third, did they, under um, the Swiss coach a, a couple Luc- of Lucien years ago? Lucien, Lucien Feb, yeah. Um, and that was a fan. And they, played, and they played nice football as well. But to say, oh, but they, they play boring football – they're sitting. They were sitting fourth coming into the weekend's matches, playing third. I mean, this is this is big, and they, you're in it to win it. You know. Yeah, I, I, it's, I don't know what you guys think, but Greece a very good point. Of course, football has changed, and stadia are different as they were before. Um, a, a couple of anecdotes. Well, they're not anecdotes. They're facts. I saw some figures from from uh, the main broadcaster in of the Premier League in England, and the number of people who actually watch a full match. 90 minutes, I'm talking about over a whole season, has gone down over the last 20 years. It's incredible to say, yeah. with all the hype and all the money going in, but the people who watch a full match has gone down. Um, and secondly, I've seen interviews with at least three coaches this season who say that their players don't watch football. Uh, it's quite amazing to say, but... Yeah, th- exactly, because the footballers used to be obsessed. Yeah. Th- I mean, of course, they'll watch football, but they don't watch a whole match of football, which goes back to what you're saying. Um, so... The football industry, and it is an industry, has to deal with that. They've got to make that fan experience, to use that 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 that, that horrible phrase, more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's more expensive to go to football than ever, much more. Um, and as Matt was saying, just to get to the, the out of um, out of town stadium in Nice is more of a hassle than it used to be, prob- probably for a lot of people. So it's something for football clubs to think about. But 
yeah, it's not just entertainment because if it was purely entertainment, then a lot of clubs would have like five, two, two men and a dog turning up um, to the stadium instead of having 10 or 20,000. So, but you know, thankfully, yeah. it's not yeah. just entertainment. Yeah. But if they but were only like, interested in entertainment as well, no one would go because it actually wouldn't be entertaining. Exactly. If you're not winning, if you're not competing. So <laughs> it would have a, paradoxically, it would just have the reverse effect. So anyway. But there's on. also many, many <laughs> more, so many more matches on television. I probably watch yeah, a full well. 90 minutes less than I used to because I'll, I'll sort of dip into a, to a Liverpool West but, Ham or a... Absolutely. And you've probably I, got I, I your know, phone think, well, and your kid. Is this kid any good? And, yeah. Yeah. And, but, and but, something else on and the phone rings. before and there your... would have been one or two games over the weekend. You know, when I was younger, I'd watch an English game. Uh, I had Syria on uh, English telly, so I'd watch that. And, you know, they'd be my two games and I'd totally consume those matches. I'd know everything about the teams. I'd, I'd watch the, you know, the pre-match build-up. I'd watch the, the game and... Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was... Well, I was thinking it what, just... Just today, I was thinking, but we commentators are probably some of the few people in the world that do watch, that prepare, that study, that analyse what could happen in a football match, watch the entire football match without looking at our telephones, without getting distracted, without going and doing something else and hearing someone shouting and come back and see the replay of a goal and not understand the context of the full match. And along with probably a few fans that go to games and watch the whole matches, a few old school people that watch without their telephones, coaching staff and people sitting on the bench and us are probably the only ones that really watch full matches anymore. And a few agents, but they get, a bit to, paid, um, they get yeah. paid a bit more than us, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> a few scouts, few agents. You're listening to, to Robbie Thompson, who's become really philosophical since his move to Australia. Absolutely. Well, um, you've got to be, when you come here, you've got to become philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I watched the whole of Strasbourg against Lens. We talk about the fact that Nice have dropped to fifth. That's because Strasbourg won again. Um, they were they were at home against Lens. They were unbeaten in seven games going into that one. Uh, they're a club that has certainly kept its identity um, and has a really strong connection going with its supporters. The the Stade de la Meno was absolutely packed uh, on Sunday afternoon. The atmosphere was phenomenal here. Is, uh, is what happened. Aholo to Gamero. Gilbert now. Gilbert with the cutback. Strong appeals for a penalty. And the referee has pointed to the spot. So after Lecker made the save, the whistle has been blown. Frankowski can't quite believe it. There have been a number of uh, handball appeals in this game. Finally, one is given. Ludovic Ajok against Jean-Louis Lecca. And Ajok sends the Stade de la Meno absolutely wild. Strasbourg have the lead here against Lens. And Ludovic Ajok has scored his first goal in almost three months. That will do him a huge amount of good. His 11th of the season. And as it stands, it's taking Strasbourg level on points with Nice in fourth. So Strasbourg running out 1-0 victors, incredible scenes at the end. Lens were, were pushing very, very hard to get that equaliser. And um, it's one of those games where, you know, the, uh, the celebration police might be out saying, why, why, why were Strasbourg celebrating like mad and doing laps of honour? But, um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to see the games, you've got to experience it. And um, Strasbourg, it's interesting, they're eight... Unbeaten. It's their longest unbeaten run since 1995. And yet 
they're, they have drawn quite a few, but they're not scoring goals. They've scored seven goals in that run of, of eight games. They've all been from set pieces. They haven't scored a goal from open play. So even though they were rattling in the goals with Ajorque and Diallo and uh, Gamero, they're the third top scorers in Ligue 1, they've sort of dried up, but but they're digging in. And um, it wasn't always pretty. It was uh, um, a full-blooded contest between uh, between Strasbourg and Lens. Strasbourg, let's say, got the decision. Certainly a really big call on on, on that penalty decision. But overall, I think they were, they were pretty good value for the win. And um, look, they're up there. They're what? They're two points off off second. I mean, it's it, it's an incredible achievement for this club. I know we we say it every time we talk about Strasbourg, but what seven eight years ago they were playing amateur football. They've had this incredible run. Um, they won the Coupe de la Ligue, and now you know we talk about Genesio doing a great job at Rennes. Well, the guy who left Rennes, Julian Stefan. I mean, what a job he's doing as well at Strasbourg. So the question is, Andreas, I know you want to talk about penalties, but Strasbourg first of all, can they? Can they go all, all all the way, let's say, and qualify for the Champions League? Uh, definitely not, no. I, I, I would start by saying, you know, we often talk about uh, Lens and Saint-Étienne being, you know, really good traditional clubs with great, great support, which is true. But I, I would add Strasbourg to that list. I'm a big fan of Strasbourg. I think a good a good Strasbourg team is really good for Liga because they love their football. It's a, it's a traditional ground. Um, so, you know, congratulations to them. But I think they are very workmanlike. I think they do lack a bit of quality. Uh, a York is is a great target man to have, but I don't think quite enough because look, they've got 51 points. Um, Monaco are only four points behind them. Lille are only four points behind them. Um, there's a long way to go, Matt. I mean, eight matches, 24 points. I, I think it, it, sometimes are in danger of sort of looking at the top three when there's still a long way to go. And eight games is for me a long way to go. So. They've had a good season, whatever happens. I yeah, hope they get into Europe. Okay, 30 games into the season, they're, they're two points off third. So, you know, maybe maybe it's not a short-term view that I'm looking at here. And they, it's interesting, they've got, they got, they got Leon coming up next weekend. That's going to be a, yeah. a big one. But uh, yeah, there, there, there are going to be loads of big games between now and the end of the season. I, 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 I underline you, I hope they get into Europe next year. I think that will be a really good achievement for them. But yeah, eight games, money time. And I still think some of the quality of, 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 of Monaco and even, you know, Lille with champions last year might be a little bit too, too much for Strasbourg. But look, they've had a great season and good luck to them for the, for the rest of the term. So Strasbourg are doing a better Lille impersonation than Nice. With with uh, Lil's old coach, no, that's, that's pretty. The that's no, pretty no, impressive. But, no, 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 no. <laughs> In the last weeks, they've been very solid with Alexander Jiku, absolutely superb. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and they were. But they have hard been struggling team, for but goals. They've scored fifty odd goals. Yeah, but they've they they're the third top scorers in the league. Uh, so they, they, up until sort of January, February, they weren't struggling for goals. And when you say they lack quality, I know what you mean. I think the midfield, and actually I, I mentioned Adrian Thomason, who's been out for uh, the best part of a month now, and they're missing him big time because he's the creative hub. Um, but Azor, Gamero, you know, they, they've, got, they've got quality for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, Robbie, think, I think they've yeah. got quality. It is a fantastic story, about, first and foremost. It re- and, and that really is. And if ever there's a club where their crowd, their supporters can get them across the line, Strasbourg are showing that that, that 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 can happen, that that's a big, big influence. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, I think I said something about that in, in the commentary. In the second half, you sense the more Strasbourg attack, the more 
the 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 decibel levels went up and you just felt they were gonna manage to suck a goal into that net you you know and they they do that a lot at the Stade de la Meno they're incredibly strong at home but Andreas I think you want to get something off your chest because the key moment in the game I always felt the first goal was going to be absolutely massive um, and they got a decision the referee was getting quite a hard time he booked Frederick Gilbert in the first couple of minutes of the game for what he would have deemed uh what, what do they call it? Engagement excessif or excès d'engagement. Yeah. yeah. Excès yeah. Too much commitment. <laughs> he went sliding in. Foot, yeah, too much commitment. His foot was low. He, you know, he went sliding in, won the ball. And as I was trying to say in the commentary, you know, is he in complete control of his action? He did catch the, uh, the lance play. He got a booking. And the Strasbourg fans were on the referee's back demanding bookings for, for every foul after that. There were a few handball incidents. And then ultimately, the big call, the penalty... For, that, for the handball against Frankowski. Um, over to you, Andreas. What do you reckon? Well, do we have that coup de girl little jingle? Because yeah, I, let's run, I, the yeah, jingle. Okay, Andreas, run the jingle. Can I do that? Here we go. Oh, quel bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. No, it, it, it's more of a coup de girl. I know it's not just Liga, it, it's a general thing, but giving away soft penalties, uh, 90% of penalties are scored. 10% of all football matches are decided by penalties. Now, poor old Frankowski, I was a very average defender in my time. You know, you slide in, you try and block across, but what are you supposed to do with your arms? You can't just, like, when a ball is coming at you, stop the ball hitting your arm. Now, I know there's all sorts of rules now about unnatural movements, but please, referees, just use your common sense. And there was another one with Nordan's tackle on Gerson in the Saint-Étienne-Marseille game. I mean, honestly, it, it, there was a slight nibble. The, the foot came out slightly, but, you know, a couple of months ago, I was watching a lot of figure skating, Matt, and this reminded me of this of some, you know, figure skate. It was like a double toe loop with a Lutz on top. Jerson just spanning, spanning the air, arms flailing everywhere. And when I looked at it, the referee, he, he's obviously going to make a decision. I said, okay, he's, he's going to book Jason for that amazing dive. What does he do? <laughs> he was Points to he the was penalty up, spot. Andres. He was oh, come up. on. Go, look, look at it again. The poor guy. Poor Nordain. He's not the best tackler no, I, in the world, Nordain. Yeah, he's chasing yeah. back. But for me, a penalty has to be, you know, quite a significant tackle, a significant incident, something that changes the match. I know it was 4-2, but it was quite an important time of the game. And at least, you know, book Jerson for, for that amazing dive. I mean, it, you know, Tom Daly, eat, eat your heart out. He's a, he's a diver, by the way, for people who don't, <laughs> who don't, watch, who don't watch diving. Um, it, it's a bit of a shame because it was a really nice open game of football and, and little incidents like that can, can, you know, put a bit of a downer on it. So my, my request for referees from now to the end of the season, just use a bit of common sense. And, you know, if a defender is making absolutely no intention to, to, to foul a player or to uh, stick out a hand, just let it go. What do you think, enough. guys? Good, 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 well, good to go. They, I, yeah. There you're going against the history of strikers and and <laughs> and who or look for the contact and go down and and the guile to be able to draw a foul. I mean, I Andreas, mean, do you I, remember? I'm, I'm I'm sure you do remember this. It was uh, Arsenal were unbeaten in 49 games. They went to Old Trafford and. Um, Sol Campbell stuck his leg out just a tiny bit and Rooney saw it and just dived out. You know, Campbell brought his leg back in. That that reminded me a little bit of, of what Nordan did there and that he put his leg out, thought, oh, better bring it back in. But Jerson kind of saw it and thought, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my dive. <laughs> exactly. And just as um, Sol Campbell was terribly unlucky there and that was a great injustice. It's probably an injustice against Saint-Etienne. And look, 
Robbie just hit the nail it, on the head. Is it time for me to mention uh, <laughs> Fabio Grasso against Lucas Nealand, 2006 it, 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 second it, it round World time. Cup? But you, okay, you, yeah. you used a phrase that I really <laughs> am starting to dislike, Robbie. It's a good one. Drawing the foul. Do we want football to be like basketball, which is a sport of drawing fouls? Yeah, yeah. What about Mbappe against Real Madrid at the at the Parc des Princes, the penalty that, that Messi missed? I mean, that was a case of drawing the foul. It was just clever. He, you know, he was on the left side of the box near the byline. He's pushed the ball, clearly going out. You know, he, he, he played for the penalty and he got it. That was clever. It's not always clear cut, but a, a defender has got a right to attempt to make a tackle. And we're almost yeah, getting... Yeah, but you can't yeah. mistime it. I mean, I don't think you can mistime. What we don't like is when a striker or a, or a, the, the attacking player makes more of the, the contact than need be. I think if, you, if there's a mistime challenge and you go down, okay. If, there, if there's a foul, then, then it's a penalty. But you don't have to, you know, add on and on and on. But do you, are we getting to the stage where an attacker is actually subconsciously trying to hit a defender's arm to get a penalty? Because Frankowski, what on earth could Frankowski do about that? No, I don't think a, I don't think rule, a player yeah, tries rule, the, to kick the ball into an arm. The rule has been changed, hasn't it, to, to bring in this notion of uh, mm-hmm. a natural position? Because before they were giving penalties if the, if the arm wasn't stuck to the guy's body, whereas now the referee is allowed to interpret if his arm is, is stuck out because that is part of uh, you know, a natural human reflex if you're jumping or sliding. And in that incident, I think, uh, I think Lance were, were, were very unlucky. But as I said in the commentary, from the moment the referee pointed to the spot, I don't think VAR will overturn that because it has to be a clear and obvious error. And they're obviously thinking the referee has deemed that Frankowski has got his arm yes, but in the all, way But then all of a sudden... Yeah, but and now all of a sudden we're going back to giving the referees more of the power and saying in your interpretation because we are reintroducing referees interpretation into this whole VAR analysis thing which what the idea was to 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 be clear on things that were clear and obvious mistakes and now we've introduced once again reintroduced yeah, the well, whole I notion of interpretation. No, but that's okay because we already had that and I think VAR, the idea of VAR, like you say, is to stamp out clear and obvious errors, big mistakes that are game-changing mistakes. We can discuss whether the referee is right or wrong and the interpretation of that decision. Um, but there's, for me, VAR has nothing to do with that. With, with that. Okay. But Strasbourg <laughs> did clear up any doubt by getting another penalty five minutes later, which was a clear penalty. Although I would say Ludovica Jork played for it because he was played through Absolutely. by Gennaro. He knew that if he got there out. ahead of the goalkeeper, he'd be all right. So he just kicked it past the goalkeeper. And clearly, Jean-Louis Leca was going to take the big man down. And, and he, he, he was, it was quite funny. He kind of just laid down, just like feeling peaceful and happy with life. He knew he'd done his job. The big man, he'd been running. He'd been running so hard. And he was just like, heard the whistle blow and thought, I've done it. And then very kindly let Kevin Gamero take the second penalty, but Gamero had it saved. Anyway, well done, Strasbourg. We're going to talk Kylian Mbappe um, in, in just a moment. It's been a remarkable week for him. Um, but before that, let's, let's do our deja vu. Let's bring in um, you, the listeners. There was a Marco Verratti shirt up for grabs. Um, another long-winded Robbie Thompson clue. So just bear with me while I, uh, while I read you last week's <laughs> clue. Who am I? An underrated career in my homeland. I only played four times for my country. It's not reflected by the size of my trophy cabinet. Despite already counting the Champions League and several championship winners' medals, 
My star rose highest when I arrived in France, where my rock star aura and spectacular goals helped my club win the Coupe de la Ligue and the Coupe de France, and I was named Ligue 1 Player of the Year. A changing club brought my one and only Ligue 1 Championship triumph before, in classic old rock star style, my career tra- tra- trailed off with just one goal in my last four campaigns at a third French club. My glittering playing career has struggled to be translated into coaching, and all that really remains of my illustrious past is my rock star haircut. Who am I? Now, I have to say, I didn't get this. Um, the Marco no, really? Verratti. Well, f- no, I'm a bit disappointed in myself. The Verratti shirt should have been a clue to the Italian link. Um, several of our listeners did get it. Max Jones, thank you for writing in saying, uh, Marco Simone, um, unfortunately, you didn't win, <laughs> but you were one of the people who got it right. Max says he's a massive fan of the pod. Um, he's new to the pod. He's only been listening for the last couple of months, but I love it and French football. Alexander Dement says, Salut les gars. I think the answer is Marco Simone. A pleasure as always listening to the show. I love the insights to French football culture that you've provided in recent weeks. Alex Barker also got the right answer. And um, Alex wrote really uh, a very nice email pulling on our heartstrings saying, um, I really want the shirt. I came second last year or a couple of years ago for a Memphis Depay shirt when my commentary audio in the competition you did was beaten by an 11-year-old. Um, so I, I'm sorry about that, Alex, but the 11-year-old was very, very good. Um, so Alex says, let's restore the balance to the universe because Verratti is possibly my favourite league player. Um, listen, you didn't come out of the draw, but keep trying, Alex, because, you know, if you keep trying, you'll, you'll get there in the end. Um, the winner, drum roll, for the Marco uh, Simone, no, the Marco Verratti shirt, Davor Tokakovic. Our friend Davor, who I believe is down in Australia. Um, congratulations to you. You have a Marco Verratti shirt winging its way um, to you. Get in touch, league1podcast at gmail.com, and we'll make sure you get that shirt. Um, this week's Deja Who, if you think you know the answer, league1podcast at gmail.com is the best way to communicate it to us. Um, you can also get in touch with us on our Twitter at League One Podcast. Here we go. Who am I? For a player considered something of a journeyman, I've only played for five clubs over the past 18 years, and one of those was a single season loan. A notoriously slow starter, I rarely impressed in my first season with a new club in Ligue 1, but paradoxically almost always left as a fan favourite. A typical late bloomer, capable of scoring outrageous goals, some would say I'm still getting better with age, despite being a long way from my beloved Ligue 1 in the land of another famous tricolore. In the end, I never won a Ligue 1 title to go with my two Coupe de la Ligues and a golden boot, while my chance of eternal glory in bleu, blanc et rouge was denied by the width of a post. Gosh. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Uh, Andreas, what do you reckon? Don't say the answer. Do you, do you think that's gettable? It was, I, I was lost until that last clue, which really is a very good one. And I, I think I know it now. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah, a really that's strong clue, Robbie. That's, yeah, that's, well, you, that's really generous. No, that's no, really that's generous. I think, I, think, I think you found a good level. Um, League One podcast at, at uh, gmail.com if you think you know the answer. Um, I want to talk a little bit about PSG and Marseille because they are... Uh, allegedly the biggest clubs in uh, in France, Paris Saint-Germain. There was focus on them against Lorient on a Sunday night because um, they were so poor before the international break, losing 3-0 in Monaco. 
people were wondering if they were going to be able to get the points necessary to um, to wrap up this league title. Let's hear what happened. Armel Tangi commentated the game at the Parc des Princes. Messi touches it on to Mbappe. Now Neymar. That's 1-0. The trio of magicians combined in the finest of manners. Okay. Kylian Mbappe tries to get on his right foot. He does. It's another wonderful finish from Kylian Mbappe. So often he opens up his body and then slams his right foot the other way. The goalkeeper no chance. Kylian Mbappe puts Paris two up. Here come his team though with Kylian Mbappe. Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely stunning. One man can make a whole lot of difference. And that man so often for Paris is Kylian Mbappe. Lovely acceleration. Now Nuno Mendes back towards Mbappe. Managed to get hold of the ball and go through the legs of Julian Laporte and get the ball. And Messi now! And Messi gets his goal! They're all involved. Neymar, Mbappe and now Lionel Messi too. And Paris 4-1 up. Neymar. Oh, through the legs of Lemoyne. Wonderful skill. Mbappe. Back to Neymar, chance here to make it five. Neymar does so. The goals are getting better and better here at the Parc des Princes. A wonderful finish. A brilliant piece of construction. And all smiles for the Parisians. They've had to wait for things to go their way this evening, but they very much are now. So 5-1 the final score. Um, Kylian Mbappe in the last five days has notched four goals and four goal assists for France and, uh, and for PSG. Neymar was very good as well. PSG had, had too much for Lorient. And the focus is, is, is very much on Kylian Mbappe. Before we talk about his future, um, let's talk about his present. And um, Andreas, the first goal he scored, it was very reminiscent of the goals he scored against Bayern Munich and against Real Madrid in that he's shaped to shoot. He's coming in sort of on the left side. He's shaped to shoot uh, inside the far post and he's just closed his foot and gone near post and the goalkeeper hasn't moved. And this, I just feel this is an incredible um, string to his bow. He is just making life so difficult. You know, Thierry Henry, you kind of always knew he was going to open his body and go towards the far post. Mbappe used to mainly do that. And he's now got this extra technique where he disguises the shot and I mean yeah a lot of talk in France that he's the best player in the world at the moment and I you know I, I think it's hard to argue with that yeah I, I don't like these goats and best players but I, I think he is the best player in the world at the moment I watch a lot of Mbappe and he, you he don't like just, the best player in the world no I, I don't like this idea of who is the best <laughs> player in the world <laughs> Actually, I don't like Killian. No, yeah, I do. But, it, you know, this idea of it, it, how can you compare a defender with a forward and all this stuff, but just on pure talent, Mbappe is, he's just getting better and better each month. Outstanding again yesterday. Um, and as you say, he's got this ability to, when there seems to be the width of a football, he finds it. And, it, and he does it with no backlift either. That's it. And, and I think also there's a psychology going on with goalkeepers now. As soon as they see Mbappe, it's like, oh, oh, you're going, where, where's this going to go? Is it getting on the left? Is it going to go in the right? Is it going to go? 
you know, it, it's just that technique that's been honed. Um, and he was, he's way too good for Lorient. He's got his, you know, the distinctive speed and pace, just the one touch, putting it behind the defender and sprinting behind the defenders. The poor Lorient defenders were really chasing shadows. It helped that, you know, Neymar really stepped up to the plate. He was excellent against Lorient as well. Good team, good team performance. But again, yeah, I mean, Mbappe, just superb. Could have got two or three more. Um, <laughs> PSG really need to keep him. Robbie, PSG yes, really need to great. keep him. Let Absolutely. me just, I'm just uh, translating <laughs> what, what he said after the game about his future. I haven't decided. I'm calm. I want to take my time because I don't want to get it wrong. I'm reflecting because there are some new elements. There are various parameters to take on board. You guys can maybe uh, translate parameter better than me because for me, it's, it's, it's settings, factors. isn't it, on your phone? Factors, thank you. Factors, thank you. Yeah. There, there are various, <laughs> I was going to say, there are various settings to take on board. No, there are various <laughs> factors to take on board. I'll talk to my close friends to make the best decision. Um, he was then asked, uh, is this a good sign for PSG, the fact you're taking your time? He said, honestly, I don't know. Having affection for people um, is always nice and I thank them um, for that, for the warmth they're showing. To have a whole stadium shouting your name, it's not n'importe quoi. It's not, uh, it's not nothing. You know, you need to take that. So is staying at PSG possible? Oui, bien sûr. Robert. Well, how good is that? That's certainly better than it, than it was looking a, a few months ago or even a few weeks ago after, after exit at the hands of aforementioned Real Madrid. Um, I think there are a lot of elements to take from this performance. I mean, it is only Lorient. Paris have a fantastic record, particularly at home against Lorient in the in the last few seasons. Um, I think the fact that they all went away and played with their national teams, Neymar scored a couple, Brazil confirmed their place atop the tree in South America, Argentina confirmed their place at Qatar at the World Cup, uh, France played and played well, and Killian scored a fantastic goal for Les Bleus. Then they'll come back. Not so good for Marco Verratti, but he wasn't uh, in in the team against Lorient either. But it, there was a feeling that they they sort of sh- shook off a bit of the 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 spider webs that were, or the ropes or the shackles that were that were really dragging them down and threatening to to drag them under um, at the end of the last few weeks. I think it was a refreshing performance. I think Kylian Mbappe is the best player in the world. I think he's just frighteningly good. Um, And I think it would be amazing if he stays at PSG. I think, honestly, Real Madrid, we know that they're a a big club, but I still remain convinced that Paris Saint-Germain, the future is with this club, at least for the next few seasons. They've got young players coming through. They keep putting their money where their mouth is. It's not the case necessarily at Real Madrid where you've got what looks to be the end of a cycle coming there, the way we've seen one at, at Barcelona. Spanish football is not is not uh, necessarily the, the, the promised land that it was a few years ago. And maybe that's why he's rethinking it. We did, however, see that he speaks perfect Spanish, gave a long interview in Spanish after the match as well, I mean, he speaks perfect English as well. He's a very, very impressive young man. Um, but what a performance. First time he's been involved in five goals in a single game as well. Two goals, three assists. He's he's leading the assist charts in France. He'll probably finish top score. He's got eight games to just complete complete that one. Perhaps not probably, but, but he's a good chance. 
and he's just a complete player now. And if if we can only talk about this game in terms of Kylian Mbappe, then okay, I know Sergio Ramos returned. I know that there are it was a good performance from Paris Saint Germain, but Kylian Mbappe is the only one really worth talking about. Yeah, I, we should say one thing though very quickly that. PSG have been almost perfect at home this season. They got 43 points out of 45 at home and only 25 away. So maybe that's a subject for another pod because that is a very big difference. I I think there's a a bit of a sea change. I looked recently at a a number of players whose contract is up at the end of this season. It's quite a long list, you know, and I think this might be a change in football. We're in this mindset that, you know, players don't go to the end of their contract and decide, well, why not? You know, football has got every right to wait to the end of their contract. They've served their contract. I once heard a football lawyer say that football is the only industry where a contract is not expected to be respected by either side. You know, play either you either expect a player to leave before, like the club wants them to sell before to get the money, or players want to renew the contract. Well, you know, things change. Football's changing. And I think we'll see yeah. more of these players saying, look, I'll, I'll wait to the end of my contract, then I'll decide. And certainly well, I think Mbappe. PSG players didn't leave just because their salaries have been so huge for so long. I mean, if you look at Levin Kurzawa, who's still there on the on the well, bench, Ram- it's I mean, a classic Robbie, example. Ramos, Ramos has got another. You know, PSG are going to have to pay him for another year, or they're going to have to pay him yeah. off. Yeah. For the and they will stay. But Julian Draxler, who who's been injured and not playing, I mean, th- there's a long list of these players at PSG who are there and will not move on because there are that no one else can match their salaries. Draxler's interesting because. He, you're right. He's not playing. He's got a huge salary, but he just loves living in Paris. He likes yeah, yeah. playing for and Paris. And they signed it. They gave him that contract. Exactly. So, so he's... And, Andreas, come and live in Paris when you're when you're forty. And you know, do you know what I mean? These are his prime years as a footballer. He's a wonderful footballer. What is he doing? He is. I get he's so a frustrated. Oh yeah, I'm no, so he, he's. I am very frustrated. But but one thing when we talk about these factors, surprisingly enough, I don't think money is one of them. I honestly don't think money is a factor here. No. And just finally on on Mbappe, you know, he cannot be criticised at all going to the end of his contract because he has said he wanted to go last summer when Real Madrid reportedly bid 180 million euros. So, you know, PSG have got nothing to, or the fans or, or, or the club certainly can't complain about that. But Andreas, do you, do you think he's waiting um, to see if Arsenal qualify for the Champions League? Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously he wants to play up there at the Emirates. That's been his dream. I mean, he had a Lauren Cozielny poster up in his uh, bedroom, didn't he, when he was a kid, so... We can always um, hope, Matt. Yeah, okay. Uh, that ship may be sailed when I think Wenger tried to get him when he was 15. But anyway, um, Marseille, Marseille 4-2 victors. I'll tell you what, they've turned it around. They really have. Um, it looked like we were suggesting Sampaoli had uh, sort of lost the dressing room, lost the plot somewhat. Five wins in a row for them. Um, they're in the quarterfinals of the Europa Conference. They are three points clear in, in second and they did it without... Robbie's favourite striker, Arik Milik, who was, uh, who was injured. But they had William Saliba and uh, Matteo Genduzzi, both of whom had really good international breaks. Saliba making his first couple of appearances for the French national team. I mean, Arit as well has come out of the cold and is, is, is playing well. And suddenly, yeah, with Bombardiering, with, with I mean, Arit, they've got a bit more, well, some firepower that they weren't necessarily, necessarily counting on before. And uh, Robbie... Marseille, a Champions League bound, it seems, maybe. And good. I think it's good for French football if they can, if they can show the kind of form that they've been showing uh, in, the, in the last few weeks. It's true that we were, we were talking about this Marseille side that was 
was struggling on and off the pitch. It just couldn't seem to put between the the players who were unhappy and the coach who who never looks really happy um that it just wasn't happening for them but yeah look fair play to them they've they've managed to turn it around they've 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 found it from i wouldn't say unlikely sources but Arit for example who's who's really stepped up to the plate in this second half of the season Jerson as well there was so much talk about him in the first half of the campaign not being not being up to the task, and he was one of the special ones that arrived with Sam Pauli. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Genduzi, how he stepped up to the plate. He's a fantastic player. There's one that you might have been able to get back to Arsenal one day, boys. Um, he's a good player and and worth it as well. But this was a this was a classically entertaining match as well because Saint Etienne came out just throwing you know haymakers. Trying to land knockout punches, they went ahead. There were penalties. There were there were there were decisions that went against Saint Etienne. Decisions that went Marseille's way. There were penalties. Not only the 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 Nordam penalty, but the first one as well with Mongala doing some tackling on Chaleta Tsar. Uh, look, it was a game that had everything. And I think if if you know if Denny Buanga could have got that second goal, it might have been a, a different story at home. Fair play, Marseille, for coming back. Just too much firepower in the end. Just to have a quick look at what it all means at the bottom. There were some significant results. A big victory for Troyes, 1-0 against Reims. Renault Ripard in the 93rd minute um, scoring there. Mets were beaten 2-1 at home by Monaco. Uh, Lille-nil, Bordeaux-nil. That was uh, ultimately a very good result for Bordeaux because they were down to 10 men in the first half. Their first clean sheet of the season. Lille had three goals disallowed. I don't know if Amadou Onana scored all three of them. Maybe he had two of them, but he was certainly involved <laughs> in a lot and he was just fractionally offside on a, on a couple of occasions. So Bordeaux riding their luck, but they get a point. Um, so ultimately a good weekend for them because Clermont lost as well. So you've got Clermont, Saint-Etienne and Metz all losing Lorient as well. Bordeaux have 23 points. They're bottom, but level on points with Metz. There's then a four-point jump to 18th where we've got Saint-Etienne. They're in the playoff position at the moment. Um, and then a point above them, Clermont and Lorient. Um, Bordeaux, I'm just going to read uh, an email uh, we got in from David Jackson, who um, who's very worried about Bordeaux. He says, I can't see them staying up. They've got to play um, Saint-Etienne, Metz and Lorient at home. They're obviously going to have to get points there because they have away games against Lille, Lyon, Nantes, Angers and the final away game in Brest. Um Things have got worse under the new coach, uh, Robbie or, or Andreas. Any thoughts on Bordeaux? Certainly David Guillon hasn't had the um, positive effect that the fans would have been hoping. We know there's a lot going on behind the scenes. The club is in a bit of a mess. Um, but that draw at Lille is, is certainly a, you know, a positive, positive result. I think it's very positive playing with, with 10 men for so long. The one positive point is that they do have some goals in them. Obviously, overlooking the weekend when they were defensive for most of that match. They're capable of scoring a few goals, but they've really got to sort out this dressing room. And, you know, we talked about this in the pod last time about various factions and and the president and the coach criticizing players on air. And there was also this idea that certain players were kind of quite friendly with Lauren Kozielny, who was kind of thrown out of the club. So you've got to sort that out. But the, I, I underline there's still eight matches to go. So that's a lot of points. Um, Bordeaux have got to start winning the home games starting next week. Um, it's not over. And we're talking about what's good for Liga. You know, I hope Bordeaux stay up because, you know, that would be definitely good for, for, for Liga. Let's see how they can do over the next eight matches. 
Yeah, I think it's it's tight at the top in those from second down to to seventh or even top half of the table, and the same at the bottom half of the table. I think that little four point gap is is dangerous for Metz and Bordeaux uh, heading up to to Saint Etienne, Clermont. I mean those those little gaps. You say there are eight games left, twenty four points. You know it's only two wins. And a, and a team can lose two on the trot uh, above them for sure. But you have to, they've only won four times this season. I mean, that's four wins, 26 matches where they've failed to win. It's, you know, and, and breaking that, breaking that, you know, winning is a habit, losing is a habit, all those sort of things. Players low on confidence when you, when you talk about everything that's going wrong. Mess, if ever Mets were going to win a match, it's when they score the goal they did to go ahead, that incredible bicycle kick. Um, against Monaco, only to lose that in the in the last minutes as well. Buadu scoring a goal for Monaco, who's who's really struggled to to settle. So look, these things, but losing becomes a habit for these guys, and and turning around four points, I think, is dangerous. And and look, it is a shame for for Bordeaux. David Guillon, I would have thought he had a would have had a more of an impact than he has. You know, it's not it's not happening for them. It's really not happening for Bordeaux. And yes, it's a it's a monument of French football that that looks like they're in they're in all sorts of trouble. Yep, I think Bordeaux and Metz personally, I think they're going to go down because when you look, you know, the the other teams, the Saint Etiennes, Clermont, Lorient, Troyes, they're all grabbing wins. You know, from time yeah. to time, they're 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 fighting, they're alive, and those other. I think Lorient sides. have a couple of wins, don't they, in the last four. Games yeah, as, they, as they well. won their yeah. last so, two you know. away matches before Paris. Yeah. You know, they they yeah. they they're capable of of nicking a few wins. And the other thing is, I think you know, you look at clubs who who have got a bit of experience in these relegation scraps. And, you know, Lorient are one of them. Saint Etienne, uh, maybe Bordeaux a bit less. So that helps, doesn't it? That experience of just knowing what it takes and having that mentality in the last few matches. So I, I certainly wouldn't bank on Bordeaux staying up. No. <laughs> We'll have to wait and see. Um, we got an email in from Corey Langner as well, who uh, was very kind, says he really enjoys the show. He's hoping that we could discuss Lille a bit. Feels there might be an overhaul in the summer. Is it a foregone conclusion? Jonathan David uh, um, leaves this summer. Is uh, Burak Yilmaz has said he will go. The consensus seems to be that Botman and Renato Sanchez will go as well. Um, who must we keep to build the team around? Um very quickly, because we're going on a bit. Robbie, I, I, I think from my point of view, yes, I, I think Jonathan David will go. I think Sven Botman um, is keen to go as well. Renato Sanchez, I don't know. If you sell the three of them, you're sitting on a lot of money. Um, so you could certainly make some big signings. Um, but who, who do Lille need to be building their team around? Well, let's not forget that this Lille side are one that was in all sorts of financial trouble after their championship win as well and getting there. And it's a huge surprise, probably, that certainly Renato Sanchez is still there, probably that Burak Yilmaz is still there, even if he's not the, your biggest money spinner. There was a lot of talk, again, that Sven Botman could be leaving in January. I don't think there's that much smoke without fire in in that one. Who who do you keep? Who do you build around? I mean, Thiago Jallo could be moving on. There are young players there. There are there are younger players that will need the likes of Jose Font to stay. I think that's that's a possible. I mean, it's, it's such Andre. a hard. I mean, he's, he's a guy. Benjamin Andre, obviously, as well. I was thinking someone like Cheka, he could stay, but I mean, he's not necessarily a player that you want to build your your future around either. But he's a solid solid league and player. 
but you also want to keep someone that's going to give you a little bit of inspiration don't you i mean it's a question for matt what 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 is Leal for? You know what what is what what is the existential? Well, they're the French Lille? champions, exactly. But they're but, the French champions. I they mean, haven't this built is incredible. They were, and they were ten years ago. And ten years ago, it's like okay, that, they could be a real force, mm. Leal, because we know it's a part of France. They love their football. Mm. It's a big city. It's an area where you know, population wise, uh, no problems. Mm. A lot of good, yeah. really good players come from that part of France. But you're right. I, I'd, I'd, I'd ask the same question I have in the past about Bordeaux, about Toulouse. I was sort of relieved that Toulouse went down because I was just like, <laughs> what's the point of this team? They're just, you know, the stadium's always half empty. The football, I read it. I can't remember who it was. I read an interview with a player who said he hated playing Toulouse because he, he didn't know what they were doing. Like, were they defending? Were they attacking? They just kind of, they were just there, you know? <laughs> And making life difficult. I hope it wasn't a Toulouse player. <laughs> <laughs> but they're co- they're, I think they're coming back up. Um, but they are, yeah, they have what, an Australian I mean, in midfield. Denis Genro is having a fantastic season. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, yeah. No, no. Lille is a footballing club. It's a, it's a big club. They're Champions League experience. Lille are the thing a, is, when I look at Lille, that, Lille are a proper club. Yeah. They, they've got three or four exceptional footballers, and it's true that if you take, if you take Botman, Renato, and Jonathan David out, Burak Yilmaz, who's a bit past it now, anyway. Um, and, and you look at yeah, it's it's pretty average. It's pretty average. I mean, I I think yeah. Onana. I think Onana is a player with a future. I think he's he's got better and better as the season's gone on. He's only twenty two, um, and yeah, you can talk about Jallo's a decent player. Zeki Celik. They've sold Ranildo, who was who was a very good left back. So. What is what 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 is the point of Leo? I mean, yeah, I yeah, I mean, they're 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 a good football team, but they do leave you thinking. Well, could they not be more ambitious and try to sort of build longer term rather than and just? They've got the stadium, haven't they? You know, they've got a nice new stadium. Absolutely, yeah. everything mm-hmm. is everything is there in place for Lille to be a real force in French football. I, I really hope that they they do kick on and keep at least two of those players for next year. Okay, well, listen, uh, two games I haven't mentioned. Nantes got a really good win, 3-2 away to Clermont. And I commentated Lyon um, against Angers, which was a very funny game, very strange game. Lyon battered Angers for half an hour. Um, they had one goal through Moussa Dembele to show for it. And then Angers just suddenly came into it. And Lyon was so jittery at the back. Pereira Large hit the post and then... Uh, was it Pereira Large who equalised? It was at 1-1. And then from kickoff, Leon just went up and scored Dembele again, 2-1. Brilliant assist from Paqueta. Um, Andre went back the, up the other end. After one howler from Jerome Boateng, there was more really poor defending for the second goal that Sofiane Bouffal scored. And um, both teams look capable of winning it. Leon brought on Tete, the Brazilian they've just signed from Shakhtar Donetsk. And uh, 22 years of age. First touch of the ball, he's just kind of like controlled it beautifully, moved it onto his left foot and curled it into the bottom corner. Wonderful goal. Um, and already, I think we can say already, that loan deal is a success, two minutes into it. Um, and Leon, you know, Leon really needed that. They got West Ham coming up in, in, in the Europa League. That was, that was pretty important. But we're out of time, fellas. So we're going to look ahead. We're going to look ahead to next weekend. Um, and we're going to go on a bon voyage. I will just start by telling you what the main matches are. Ligue 1 Uber Eats returns on Friday. Lorient against Saint-Étienne, a big game at the bottom. Clermont against PSG is a big game on uh, on Saturday night. And then Sunday's games, strasbourg Lyon at uh, 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Marseille versus Montpellier at 9 o'clock. Um, let's see where the chaps want to go.
So, Robbie Thompson, where would you like to go next weekend? This one is all about the relegation dogfight. Lorient Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux-Metz, that's where I want to be because I believe that this is a, a big part of football as well. We'd, we'd always talk about, you know, fighting for Champions League football. These clubs are fighting so often for the, for their short-term future because when you drop down, it is very hard to come straight back up. Um, we've seen that Saint-Étienne have spent time in the, in the, sec- in the in Ligue 2 uh, about 10 years ago. It wasn't easy for them to come back as well. Mess have been down. I'll go Bordeaux Mess because it's two clubs that have uh, have that huge, recent history, and that is a that is yeah the loser last is versus almost, the second loser last is almost down there exactly. Does it redefine six pointer? <laughs> not 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 quite perhaps, but but look, this is a this is a big game. It's everything on the line pointer. Um, Andreas, what do you reckon? <laughs> uh, Robbie took the words out of my mouth. I was definitely going to go this time. I did look uh, look ahead a week and and Bordeaux. Mets really did. It just stuck out for the, for those reasons. Le match Whoever de la peur. Le match de la peur. It'll get all that all that build up this week. Um, look, you, you've said it all, Robbie. But in terms of going down, it, remember, Liga is going to go to eighteen clubs in in a couple of seasons, mm-hmm. and it is hard when you go down. It is it it is League Two is is a real scrap because it's hard to come back up. We've talked about that, and I think it it would be really really serious for Bordeaux if they go down. So I, I think Bordeaux Mets, it, that's the, the sadist in me. Or should that be the masochist in me? I don't know. You could work it out. It might not be much fun that much, <laughs> that match. Uh, might not be a lot of goals, but my word, it's, it's going to be a really important mm-hmm. one. Well, I'm going to go to Reims. I'm going to stock up on Champagne. Reims against Rennes. Rennes are the great entertainers. Reims are doing uh, much better than a lot of people expected this season. They did lose to Troyes at the weekend, but they were five unbeaten before that. And uh, I like the job that Oscar Garcia is doing, and we're going to hear from Oscar Garcia on the pod next week as well. So, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to take in Rouse against Wren. See if Wren can uh, can keep the pressure up. Rouse have lost Hugo Ekatike for a, for a few more weeks. He's had a, a, a relapse to the to the injury. Um, we'll see if Andy Scott's favourite league gun player Fraser Hornby can score his his first goal. He's playing quite regularly. Still hasn't scored though um, as of yet. But uh, uh, that's it for this week. I do hope you've uh, you've enjoyed the podcast. Send us your emails if you've got any feedback, any questions. League1podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on all the different podcast platforms. Spotify, Deezer, Apple, um, Acast. Is that a thing? I think so. I think people go to Acast. All of them. All of them. Go, go, go. Robbie, Andreas, it's been a pleasure. We'll be back. We'll be back again next week. All the very best. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next time.